welcome to the Tune In with Marcy podcast, where we always know that being you takes so much courage. Where you're joined by me, host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, every week for eye-opening, deep, real talk conversations on connecting to our intuition, personal power, the universe, and creating authentic relationships with each other. I want you to get ready for practical tips, inspiring stories, and answers to your burning questions. You know what they are that keep keeping you up at night. Whether you're struggling with overcoming fear to follow your life's passion, or you're experiencing Groundhog Day with repeating unhealthy patterns, this podcast is for you, sensitive soul. So get ready to live your truth. A quick note. This podcast sometimes has adult language because these are adult conversations. So plan accordingly, whether that means turning it off when kids are around or using your earbuds and earphones. Now on to this week's episode. I can't wait for you to listen. Hello and welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. We're entering month two and that means that we're starting a new series with a new topic. If you're new to this podcast, the way that it's working for now in this first season that I am uh, introducing this podcast, we're spending about four sessions, so four episodes each time on a different topic to really be able to dive deep. So if you missed the first month in this podcast series, in this podcast season, the whole entire first month was focused on relationships. So I'm really excited because this month we're turning the page and going to be focusing on how our intuition speaks to us. This is another topic that I am extremely passionate about. And If you've listened to the trailer or if you know anything about this podcast, I'm very passionate about tending to both the human and the spirit sides of us. That's kind of a theme that runs through all of my work. And I really do believe to have a sense of wholeness, we need to to equally tend to both. So last month, we spent some time tending to a lot of the the human parts of us. in relationships and and dipped our toes a little bit into the intuition by talking about how those pieces can connect. And this month, we are focusing on more of the spirit side of us and how that spirit side of us can maybe guide the human side of us through what I like to call is intuition. Before we dive in, I want to really acknowledge everyone who has given a review and a rating to the podcast. Thank you so much for acknowledging and honoring how this creation is supporting you and impacting you. And it's just like, I'm getting tears, like just thinking about it right now. It's really such a joy to see how this has been received. It's, it's, it's such a big circling back to this creative part of me that I was very, very, very deeply in touch with as a kid, where I was constantly 
writing and creating plays and, and dancing like in my backyard and and um, audio recording things. And then later when my family had a video camera, video recording thing, like I was just constantly creating. And it's been a really, really, really long journey to unlock the creative part of me that is like, honestly, I'm still continuing to, to unlock that. So thank you for your support because your reception of this is giving me such a gift to continue to support that creative in me to step out. And I really wanted to acknowledge X Dare to Dream X11 who wrote a lovely review and they said, Marcy has such a gift with blending the physical and the spiritual. I love how each week weaves together so that certain themes spiral just like our healing. Excited to see how the journey continues to unfold as the season continues. Thank you so much. Much X Dare to Dream X 11 for taking the time to write your review and give a five-star rating. If you get to the, anyone who's listening, if you get to the end of this episode and you think that was great, I I took a lot away from this, um, then one way that you can give back is by going to wherever you get your podcasts or especially um, Apple Podcasts and you can give a five-star rating. And if you feel inspired, write a review. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Regardless of whether you've given a five-star rating or review or anything like that, just thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting. So this week, we're going to start by talking about how intuition speaks to us. And we're going to dive into one of my favorite topics that is such a huge staple of my own spiritual practice which is dreaming. And each week as we we go through these next couple weeks, I'm going to be talking specifically about the different ways, or you could say channels um, or portals that intuition speaks to us in. There are many. (laughs) Um, I'm just going to be sharing a couple of my favorite and I'm I'm excited to see how you interact with them as we focus on dreaming tonight. You know, when I, I say tonight because it's nighttime while I'm recording this for you. (laughs) Um, As we talk about dreaming, I, um, you know, I recognized for myself when I started to more consciously pick up a dreaming practice that I have always been a dreamer. I have had dreams my entire life since I was quite young and they've always been very vivid. So they are, you know, when I've described them to different people over the years, a lot of people will will say that my dreams sound like a really elaborate movie and that I will have a lot of like intense, I will remember very, very minute details. There can be a lot of very, very vivid colors. Sometimes I will uh, wake up from a dream and still have a smell in my nose from a dream. Um, They really are often like I am actually somewhere else. And I'm going to talk about that. But before I do, I just want to say that, yeah, they've been a part of my life my whole They've been a part of my journey my whole life. And when I was younger, it was not until 
really in my 30s, um, and I'm right now 37, so really I don't think it's been until maybe the last probably seven years, more. maybe it's before that, we're going to say eight to six years, I'm going to guess, that I started developing a dream practice because it's not something that I uh, really was taught or was incorporated or, or even understood that it could have been a part of my spiritual practice. And now dreaming is one of those pillars of my practice. It's, it's something that I just, I have gotten so much richness out of. And so, you know, when I was a kid, I also would have experiences sometimes where the dreams would be repetitive. So for example, when I was really young, I often had the same dream over and over again about being taken captive to a prison and I would be kind of like dragged down this cobblestone path road thing and then thrown like kind of spun around and then thrown into the corner of a prison cell at which point I kind of black out and wake up and you know I thought it was strange because I remember having this dream it's probably one of the earliest dreams I remember and I I do recall having the same dream for years when I was younger I don't know if I ever told anyone about it that's not clear to me but I do know that I had it and I know that there were several times where it was so vivid for me that I actually in the, you know, in the being kind of thrown around in a circle and then thrown into a corner, I actually rolled myself out of bed. So I remember two times very vividly actually falling out of bed because my body was kind of moving in the spiral to what I was experiencing. And that started this pattern for me of always then from that point forward, sleeping closest to the wall, having my bed against a wall, sleeping closest to the wall and and being really scared of the edge of my bed. And that started quite young because it was in the first house that we, we lived in. And so, yeah, I think like as young as maybe four or five, I remember start remember having this dream. It might've been even earlier, but this is the, this was a really foundational dream. And as I talk about dreams today in this episode, you'll see that as my journey to understand dreaming has unfolded, this dream that was always a mystery in my mind became clear about what it actually was. And I remember thinking to myself, I don't really understand why I was having such a violent, strange dream when I got older and I was extremely you know, like very politically active. I was, I was quite activist oriented in my um, high school and college years. And so I thought to myself, well, there's, it, it almost kind of seems like I was a political activist or something. And, and then I thought, well, geez, that's really strange. Why would I be having a dream about being locked up as some kind of like political prisoner when I'm three or five years old? It didn't make sense to me. So because of experiences like that, I always had a fascination with dreams. Um, I did have dreams on and off at different points that would be predictive and would come true. And uh, there was a history of some of that in my family. I recall a couple of situations where my mom, um, my mom is a big dreamer. Both my parents are, but I have a couple remembrances when I was younger of my mom having dreams that then were predictive and then would come true. Um, 
And a lot of times dreams that were predictive and they would come true sometimes for her were quite frightening. And so with that, plus this like prison dream, I was both fascinated and kind of scared sometimes, I suppose, of dreams. So that that's kind of like my context of where I was coming from as I, you know, decades and decades later, eventually reconnected to dreaming as an actual practice and cornerstone of my spiritual practice. What's interesting is when we look at the question of dreaming, if we think about social conditioning, our social conditioning for many of us, if you look at the messages we receive growing up, whether it's in our household, in the media, in books, whatever it is, so often the message around dreaming is it was only a dream. Don't worry, it was just a dream, right? Like what are what is the the kind of classic response that a parent gives a child who has a nightmare? The classic response is, "Oh, you'll be fine. It's okay. It was just a dream." Right? Maybe a child has a dream that there's a monster and then they wake up and they think they feel like there's a monster under their bed and then the parent comes in and show, turns the light on and shows them that there's no monster under the bed. And don't worry, it's just a dream, you'll be fine. And what ends up happening in in that case from such a young age for us is that over time we learn that dreams are what? Not real. We learn that they're not real. We we learn that they're quote-unquote make-believe. And we learn that they're not worthy of exploring um, or taking into consideration. Speaking of dreaming, ironically... I don't know if you can hear this right now, but while I'm talking about dreaming, my puppy who's sitting right behind me literally is, is dreaming right now. She's, she's like making little barks. It's very funny. Not so ironic. This is how intuition works. (laughs) We talk about a thing and then it shows up. Okay. So, so because we have this social conditioning, which I think is really important to acknowledge, many of us are um, uncertain about whether we can trust our dreams or if we, you know, so we either are kind of uncertain about whether we can trust our dreams or we maybe even have shut down our dream world. There's a lot of people that I meet that don't quote unquote dream. I don't actually believe that's true. I think everyone dreams. It's just a question of, do we remember them or not? And I think some of us um, when we don't remember, it may be because we've really shut down in that space, perhaps because of social conditioning and messaging we've received over the years, or in, in cases where maybe you have a really strong gift in dreaming, like I did um, and do, then sometimes what we receive in dreaming can be uncomfortable. And again, when we have this social conditioning where on a, on a mass scale for many of us, I can only just speak for myself and for many of my clients. I, I, I didn't really, I wasn't really given a context for dreaming in a way of having it be a way that I could receive spiritual messages that my, my soul, my spirit could be guiding me, that my spirit team could be guiding me. Like I didn't receive that kind of a context in both the society I was growing up in, in the messaging in the media and TV that I was exposed to, and my family didn't have that perspective, um, not because they rejected it. I sense that they also similarly didn't learn that. And so um, over and over again, it's just kind of this 
message that gets portrayed that dreaming is not real. And similarly, if we quote unquote dream during the daytime, if we have a daydream, that's considered distraction. That's considered make-believe. It's also considered not real. So all of that layering can really put us into a strange relationship with dreaming in our modern life. And it wasn't always like that. A lot of, um, if you look at cultures that have remained connected to the land and, um, you know, some of their original teachings and practices, dreaming is integral to a way of life. And all across the world and all continents, populations that were indigenous perceived dreaming in, in, in this way, in some variant form. Um, it's just in modern day that we've gotten really, unfortunately, disconnected from that. And that is because we really, really value the intellect more than our feeling, receptive, intuitive side. And that could be a whole another podcast that I'm not going to episode, but I'm not going to get into that today. But I'm just going to, you know, I'm setting this as the context. As you'll learn as we go through this podcast journey together, I like to set context because then it gives us a location of where we're starting from and why certain things are difficult. And I think that that can bring a lot of compassion and understanding and then give us some clarity about, okay, how do we move forward, right? So if you are interested in dreaming, you are interested in connecting more deeply to your dreams, you're interested in developing more of a relationship with your dream space, then the first place to start is to be really honest about how, you know, like what limiting beliefs do you have around dreaming and potentially how you've picked them up along the way. Were there stories, um, messages that you were told in your household about dreaming? Um, you know, were, do you recall having nightmares and having someone tell you, never mind, it's just a dream, you're okay? these pieces are important. So that's the first place to start is looking at, okay, what is my social conditioning around dreaming? My social conditioning around dreaming, um, I don't have a complete story other than, like I said, I had some dreams that were pretty intense starting at a very young age that I remember that recalled that repeated over and over again. I had predictive ones. I, I received messaging at different points along my path that the kind of dream-like connection to the world was delegitimized. And so over time, I became a very, very uh, rational, analytical person as I moved through school because it, it really benefited me in my grades. So as I moved through school all the way to high school to then college and then further as an adult into different graduate programs, I really learned how to exercise that muscle of like the rational side of myself, which has a place. However, as I'm exploring with you and hoping to invite you to explore in this series and as I talk about intuition on and off throughout this podcast, I really believe for us to have wholeness, we need to exercise and consciously plug back into that intuitive side of us that was really innate in us naturally as children and that many of us have left behind because we've been told that that's not real. So that's the context for dreaming. And 
social conditioning for many of us. Over time, I was... I don't really recall how it started, but through a series of synchronicities, clearly, uh, of people and conversations and articles and books and different things that happened across my path, I learned that dreaming could be a practice and that, and I started recognizing that I was receiving messages in my dream time space and that it was really important to pay attention to. And that started by, I guess some of the earliest memories I have around that, um, Well, actually, if I think about it, it's even further back. I think one of my most important mystical experiences in my life, now that I think about it, happened from a dream time experience where I was having an extremely vivid dream of meeting a very, very highly evolved spiritual being that I had so much deep reverence for in my practice at that time. And when I met them in my dream space, I remember in the dream space being completely blown away like I would if, you know, a very enlightened person being whatever showed up in my life now, I would be pretty kind of awestruck. And that was essentially what happened. I, I was very awestruck and I had this, I woke up with one of the, with one of the most heavenly smells that I could not really replicate or describe because it was not like any flower or perfume that I've ever smelled in my entire life. And the smell lingered for hours while I was awake, sitting in my bed going, you know, holy shit, what was that? And it was a really, really profound encounter and every single time I would close my eyes um not go back to sleep but just lay in bed and every single time I would close my eyes his image would reappear and then I and I was still smelling the smell and I'd open my eyes and the smell would still be there and it was like that for hours and it just kind of it really blew me away and if I think about it I guess that was one of the first moments that had me recognize wow there's there's something really powerful happening in that space that can happen. I didn't share that experience with, with anyone um, for a long time. And over time, I started to tend to, I would say, in court and pay attention to my dream time. So I really started to develop a relationship with my dream time like you would a relationship with a person. And that means that I started to acknowledge what was happening in my dreams. I started to write them down. I started to honor them. So when I would receive direct messaging and guidance, I would act on that messaging and guidance. And then when I was curious about some messaging that I had received that wasn't clear, then I would start to inquiry into those messages and leave myself open and available for further explanation. And at first this really, this happened for me really organically. And then later I was exposed to some teachings and books that then over time eventually created more of like a formal practice for me, I would say. And so 
you know, when I, I'll, I'll never forget a really important point that this happened for me was when I was driving cross country back to Washington, D.C. from living in the mountains of California in a monastery. And I had recognized that I was going to go back to Washington, D.C. and I needed to make I was pretty clear at that point that I was probably going to leave my government job, but I really still needed to make like the final decision, final, final decision. But I would say like my heart was 99% sure. And while I was in uh, Santa Fe, beautiful, magical place, while I was in Santa Fe, I received this really interesting dream where I actually went and sat down with one of my friends. And this tends to be a lot how my dream time brings me messages is through the arrival and presence of just ordinary people from my life. You know, I've had dreams like I talked about the last, the last one before this, where I've had some really powerful beings come to my space, but a lot of my really important messages have been delivered through the appearance of ordinary people in my life. And so anytime I have like a friend from this lifetime, like a, a, a person from my friend circle or something like that, or someone I haven't talked to in a while show up in my dream, I know it's a dream to pay attention to. And I learned that over time by tracking my dreams consistently, that that's one of the signs that it's pretty, it has some potency to it. But I wouldn't have realized that, honestly, if I hadn't tracked my dreams over, over time, because, you know, otherwise I would have done like what I think many of us do, which is you just kind of brush it aside and you go, oh, well, you know, I guess I'm maybe for some random reason, I'm thinking about so-and-so, even though I haven't hung out with them in six months or something like that. And we oftentimes will just brush it aside as, you know, meaningless, I suppose is the way you want to say it, meaningless. But that's, you know, that's, I kind of want to invite you into a place of, well, maybe it actually does have meaning. So in this case, a friend of mine sat down at the table across from me and he said, take your time coming home. And I asked him, what do you mean? And he said, take your time coming home because you have a lot of work waiting for you. I was very confused about this message when I woke up other than that I knew that it meant like take my time driving cross country because I was debating whether I needed to, you know, hurry my trip up or not. And there were some more stops I had wanted to make before reaching the East Coast again. So I did definitely take that as a sign that I needed to take my time going East again But I didn't know what he was referring to when he said, there's a lot of work waiting for you. Because in my mind, you know, I was still trying to figure out if I was going to go back to this office job or not. So why, why would he talk about that? And as it turns out, through other messages I received over the the coming weeks and months and series of synchronicities that I decided to leave my government job. And sure enough, that dream was correct. I ended up receiving a lot of work that felt really divinely delivered to me that I was really surprised about and and delighted and grateful for that supported me through that whole first year or so of leaving my government job and doing independent um, one-on-one coaching and healing work. 
And so that dream was not only guiding, but it was also a, a predictive. And, and at the moment, it wasn't clear what that was about. And that's why I think really paying attention to our dreams can be so powerful and giving ourselves the space and the time for the clarity about what that is to unfold. Now, circling back to the prison dream that I was talking about earlier, right? I had that dream, that series of dreams when I was like three, five, seven, some, sometime around then. And then I don't recall them really happening as an adult. But I ended up learning later when I was um, in Colombia and I was having these really weird experiences while I was visiting Colombia and visiting my partner's family for the first time. I was just having like all these really unusual experiences while I was there. And a lot of unusual emotions were coming up that I was just really confused about. And so I did a session with one of my mentors and we ended up doing a, you know, a process to kind of dive in and explore what was happening. And it turned out that I was actually at like on land that I had had a past life in. And then when I dived further, I started seeing all these images that as I went through the past life regression, the images led led up to that moment that I had that dream as a child and then showed me what happened at the end that I had never had the full story around. And it was really, really profound and it put so many puzzle pieces together of why this dream had been showing up so consistently. This is quite common. A lot of times, if you look at past life research, that Uh, children up until about the age of three, five, sometimes seven, but those younger ages often will remember their past lives or may, may remember one of the most recent ones or ones that had a really impact, a profound impact on them. And I believe that that's what was happening and that that past life of that dream around the prison was very much connected to some themes that were already starting to arise for me in this life when I was experiencing some abuse. And then also were related when that came up as an adult to some experiences that I needed to resolve then as well. So there's a story of a dream that I had when I was age three or five and, you know, three decades later, (laughs) I discovered what it actually meant. And so let's talk a little bit now about, okay, I've been talking a lot about dreaming. What is what is dreaming anyways? Dreaming is not just, I would say, when we're sleeping. And this is very much a, a perspective that is grounded in indigenous cultures that we are lucky to still have that ex- exist that show us what it's like to have a land-based relationship with our spirituality where there's an understanding that there is an unseen world, there is that the the world around us is alive. Those teachings, gratefully, that we still have that some of us, you know, for example, myself with a lot of Western Europe ancestry, those teachings that were pre-Christian have been kind of lost along the way. And with that worldview, there is a sense that dreaming is really like another realm. It's a parallel realm in some sense, and that it's a realm that is can even be embedded in our current realm, in our living life. So 
we can actually poke in and out of this realm that we call dreaming. And it still exists when we're awake. But I would say that when we we go to sleep, that we access it quite easily, because honestly, our rational minds kind of let go. The rational minds let go and allow us to have a more intuitive part of ourselves guide us, or you could say more of the spirit side of us guide us or the soulful side of us guide us. And so we're able to connect back into this realm that we may not otherwise recognize when just our rational mind is kind of leading the way. So there's a certain amount of letting go, I think that happens. And that's why it's so easy for us to sometimes access it in the sleep time. That being said, I do believe we can access the same reality consciously through different techniques like um, active meditations that are something like shamanic journeying, these kind of ancient technologies that we can use to consciously go back into the quote unquote dream time or consciously go back into the other world or consciously go back into the unseen, whatever you want to call it. I think that it's um, you know, a field or various fields that we could say that we can tap in and out of. And so dreaming in that sense, is not just when you're asleep. Now that we've laid the context what kind of dreams can we have? So I want to focus the, even though, as I set up before the break, that we can have dreaming outside of dream time. That's just kind of to leave you with a little bit of soul candy, metaphorically, to spark some inspiration. And in the future, I will likely talk about different ways that we can connect to the dream time space while we're awake. But for now, let's focus on dream time being the dreams that you access you have when you're sleeping. Because I think that's really an important place to start when we're looking to bridge ourselves back into the unseen and intuitive world. And that intuition can really speak to us through the dream space. So what types of dreams can we have? There are many kinds of dreams we could talk about, but some of the ones that I think of when I think about the kinds of dreams that I've had over the years is predictive. As I mentioned, predictive are dreams that are foretelling something that could happen in the future. Now I say something that could, because I do believe that there are always multiple realities that can exist based on, you know, we do have free will in this plane of existence. So based on the decisions we make, it can affect different outcomes. But a lot of times we may have a predictive dream to foretell something that can unfold. So, and they don't always have to be negative. They could be positive. For example, the dream I was talking about when I was in Santa Fe and I received the message to take my time going back cross country because a lot of work was waiting for me in the Washington DC area when I returned. So that was a dream that had some predictive elements in it, a little bit of a foretelling. We can also think about dreams as remembering past lives. So this 
is also a place where a lot of my past life work has um, stemmed over the years. I have had some waking life, past life experiences. Um, I'm going to talk about past lives in a future episode where I've, you know, had a situation where I've actually experienced a, a past life, remembered, had images of, had a knowing about a place, a land that I'm, you know, standing on. But we can also have past life remembering in the dream time. I've seen this happen for a lot of clients that I've worked with over the years. This was certainly the case around my, my prison dream that I talked about. So when we have a, you know, some, some signatures of a potential past life dream, not always, but some potential signatures of that can be maybe we notice that we're in a different time and place. We may actually, our physical body in the dream may look different than the one that we are in now. So um, that has happened to me where perhaps my gender is different or my ethnicity is different. And so these can be some potential signatures. It's not always, but potential signs that we could be having a past life dream. We can receive messages from our spirit team members in a upcoming episode later this month. I'm going to be talking about spirit guides, but we can receive messages from our spirit team. And my experience is, is that the way we receive messages in our dream time from our spirit team members, or even from our self, our deepest core self, our essence, sometimes they show up as they actually appear to us in other situations. And other times they may take the disguise of something that's more familiar that you might pay attention to. So for example, my spirit team likes to show up a lot as friends or old friends. <laughs> so that's how I, that's how they come to me in a dream time. And I think that when I'm in my dream, when I'm in my dream, that, for example, feels like a very safe and comforting space. And so I'm really open and receptive to the conversations I have. So usually when I have a, uh, one of my spirit guides showing up as a friend in those situations, I am receiving a very clear message and I'm listening very intently. So we can receive messages through our spirit teams and spirit team members, and it doesn't have to be always a direct word for word message. A lot of times it can be more metaphorical. We can receive, you know, have the opportunity, I would say, to work through things on a psychic plane. So that can be like problem solving. We may be problem solving things. We may be trying out different scenarios, different uh, possibilities, different potential outcomes can be something that we are doing. Our, it's like really our soul um, is doing that kind of spirit level part of us that knows that the dream time or other world or the unseen exists for us. Um, when we sleep, in essence, kind of plugs back into that. Some some teachings say that our soul takes flight and leaves the body, and others would say that we are just simply piercing the veil and accessing another layer of reality that we are tuned out of on a daily basis most of the time um, because 
that's from our social conditioning and perhaps for some of us it could be overwhelming to be that plugged in all the time so it's also kind of a a mechanism to give us some sense of sanity (laughs) so that we're not trying to juggle what's here what's in the unseen realm and and all those pieces and that we can have more of a a valve on what's coming through and what's not so we can work through things on a psychics plane we can process what's left out what's unprocessed from the day you know uh if you've had a really busy day at work or you've had some situations that arose in your relationship you had a conflict in your relationship we may be processing what's left unprocessed whatever we didn't process from that day that's potentially emotionally charging for us or maybe it's has a little bit of anxiety because we had such a long to-do list and then suddenly we're processing that in our dream space. I know, for example, when I used to work in an office, I used to have a lot of dreams of working in my office. It was like my, it was like my work never ended. And that was really because it was really, a, uh, I would say, a symptomology of my poor work balance, work-life balance at that time <laughs> before I really started doing some inner work and, and tending to my own self-care. So that could be happening for you. Maybe you have some some leftovers of what's not processed. And then this really beautiful teacher, Amanda Scott, talks about what she calls pizza dreams. I love this category, pizza dreams, which is really kind of like a mixing of toppings, right? Of like all of the above. So maybe you have a dream that's not so clear and it has a little bit of processing what happened in the day and maybe has a a tinge of a message from one of your spirit guides and maybe it's also has an element of predictability in it some some kind of foretelling into the future so sometimes we have dreams like that and then sometimes we just have dreams that are so layered I would say so there's so many toppings on the pizza metaphorically that we just kind of don't know what it is and so Not every dream has the same amount of quote-unquote, I would say, weight. But in order to learn about which dreams maybe have potent medicine, soul medicine for you in them, we really do need to start paying attention to and tending to all of them. Because so many times in my own practice, and I've seen this happen for my clients as well, there can be a dream that comes up that then doesn't really seem like it's that important and you tend to it by documenting it writing it down whatever that looks like for you and then you you know you get out three six months later a year maybe even further down the road and then you discover aha I understand now what this dream was about and now it has a really beautiful significance and soul medicine for me so it's a both and it's both not kind of getting yourself all hung up and thinking, oh my gosh, every dream is so important and so big and it's overwhelming. I can't really keep up with all of them and I can't really kind of sense to decode and understand which each of them mean. And it's recognizing that, especially at the beginning, I think it's really important to acknowledge each dream that happens along the way. Why should we care about our dreams? I would say... If we want to connect more deeply to our intuition, in other words, our inner guidance system, in other words, our inner voice, in other words, our our deepest truth, our soul path, 
our highest good, however, whatever language resonates with you, we really need to develop a relationship with our dreams because I find that that is one of the primary, it's like, it's like dream, dream time is, is one of the central post offices, let's say for intuition. And you need to read the mail. (laughs) You need to read your mail. So developing a dream time practice and paying attention to your dreams is tending to that really central uh, post office that you have from your intuition. So this can be really one of the most potent ways that our our souls, our our, our ancestors, our spirit guides, the intuitive world around us is, is seeking to communicate with us. And I would say that dreams come to us in symbolism. And when we start to learn the symbolism of our dreams, we start to learn what those myths and messages and stories mean to us, then we start to get in touch with the intuitive and spirit world. Because my experience is that the intuitive, spirit, unseen, magical, whatever you want to call it, world, that that part of our life that is here too for us and, and here to support us and a part of us really does speak in much more of a non-linear symbolic language. And that becomes really clear in dreams. In other words, dreams are not always literal. Sometimes they have a really beautiful mythos to them that is symbolic and metaphorical and so much deeper in nature. And then other times they're quite literal. So that's, I think, also important to say. The other thing I want to talk about is nightmares. And nightmares, I'm a master nightmare, (laughs) nightmare receiver, I would say, and creator and co-creator in the sense that nightmares have been a huge part of my dream time for my entire life, my entire life. And uh, that was very confusing to me for a long time because I considered myself to be quite a positive person and I didn't really understand why my dream time was so difficult and sometimes violent and terrifying and bloody and, and so many different pieces. And a lot of times our nightmares can, can have a, different, a lot of different layers to them. So my perspective is that the way that my dream time practice has developed over time is I don't come from a purely psychological or like Jungian archetypal perspective. Those pieces inform my perspective, but they're not the only thing because I do believe that sometimes the dream dreams that we have are symbolic and are maybe us working through things on a psychological level and different parts of the dream can perhaps represent different parts of ourselves. I do think sometimes there can be archetypal energies that come through in our dream time. And I do think sometimes our dream time is a literal experience of the unseen. So what that looks like in in terms of nightmares, which I think is is a topic that people have a lot of energy around, is I believe that nightmares can be really amazing spiritual allies. And so that can look like a nightmare is inviting us to get in touch with our shadow or parts of us, for example, that are unconscious or subconscious and is really ready for recognition and healing. 
And so it's literally haunting us. It can be either a part of us and an actor in the dream and or the dynamic itself is literally haunting us over and over and over again for recognition and healing. And so that can be a shadow part of us. The nightmares can also show us where our psychic boundaries have become porous. I, as I've developed a psychic practice of protection and boundary keeping over time with the unseen. So what I mean by that is that there are unwell energies in the human existence, right? There are unwell people. There are people that are not well, have malicious intent, or hurt themselves and perpetuating hurt. And on the spirit plane, I believe there is the same thing. Spirit plane, different energies, whatever you want to call it, beings, however you want to talk about it. Not all life is coming from a love and light place, I would say. And so just like there's unwellness in the human plane, there's unwellness in the unseen plane, or there's unwellness, it can be unwellness in the more intuitive side. And so sometimes nightmares can be a recognition that there are unwell energies that are trying to bother us, that are, you know, have gotten kind of into our psychic space or perhaps our physical home or are uh, trying to really torment us in a sense. And so that can be a sign that our spiritual boundaries, our psychic boundaries have become porous and nightmares can be an amazing reminder to us to say, oh, okay, got it. I'm not seeing this on a daily basis as I'm moving throughout my day, but wow, I've been having a lot of weird symptoms and I've been feeling really irritable. And then when I go into my sleep every single night, I'm having this really weird dream over and over and over again that's the same scenario time and time again with this unusual person and figure that is quite terrifying. That sometimes can be a recognition that your psychic boundaries are porous. Nightmares can also be an opportunity to preemptively solve problems and resolve our fears, maybe to overcome our fear to have certain conversations. I know, for example, using my voice is a theme that's shown up my entire life and something that I've been continuing to heal. So I, my soul will bring me dreams where I will exercise my voice and have really important conversations. And those tend to repeat and they could be really stressful and they could be fearful. And sometimes they may go poorly, but I really understand that as, as my soul kind of bringing me to, um, soul school in a sense and giving me the opportunity to develop a sense of, well, what does it look like if this person really doesn't accept my truth? Then what? How does that feel? What is that like? And it's as if I'm preparing myself, you know, at different points along the way, preparing myself to have these conversations regardless of the outcome, because I recognize that speaking that truth or having that difficult conversation is really, really critical to my well-being and in my path. And then the last piece is that nightmares can be connected to past lives and our ancestry. So again, hearkening back to the prison dream, I've had a lot of nightmares that have been remembrances of past lives that are seeking resolution in some way. They're seeking some healing. Or I've also had some nightmares where unwell ancestors have come and are trying to get my attention in a very terrifying way, (laughs) you know, and, um, 
and has required me to develop some boundaries around that and around those ancestors. So where do you begin? I've given you kind of like a, a journey through dreaming. And when I talk about starting to develop a dream practice, it's really starting from the basics of <clears throat> deciding with the intention that you're going to start courting your dreams. You're going to start connecting to your dreams. You're going to start paying attention to them. And it's like you're picking up the psychic phone call of your intuition. And metaphorically, your intuition, different parts of yourself, your spirit team has been trying to call you on the phone (laughs) in your dream time over and over and over again. And you are deciding from this point forward, okay, I'm going to pay attention. I am going to metaphorically answer this phone call I'm metaphorically going to read the mail coming from this intuitive post office. And so that can look a lot of different ways. For some people, that's journaling and writing down your dreams. And for other people, that feels overwhelming. And so it could be audio capture. It could be a voice memo or a really wonderful app called Otter, O-T-T-E-R, that I learned about from one of my dear friends is a uh, transcription tool. And it will audio record you and then transcribe stuff. Um, so there's no right or wrong way to do this. It's just a matter of making sure that you on a consistent basis are writing down your dreams. Ideally you do that when you wake up, not so easy for everybody. So if that's the case, at least write down the essential elements that are showing up for you. Like, you know, was in a locker room and saw Kelly and we talked about X, Y, and Z, you know, three bullet points. doesn't take long to write that or audio record it, whatever that looks like for you. And you want to be consistent and you want to start paying attention. Just start, don't even worry about analyzing them at first. Just start by documenting them. That's my recommendation. Just start documenting them, documenting them consistently. Over time, you will start to be able to recognize and collect your own symbols along the way. So my very, 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 um, what I want to use, what's the word I want to use? My very highly recommended approach is to avoid all dream symbolism dictionaries, Googles, all that stuff, because you really want to learn what this means for you. And that's really what's most important. And that's why I think it's important to not just approach things from a psychological perspective or a Jungian perspective or even just a simple kind of much more traditional land-based indigenous perspective on dream time. I think all of them have something to offer here. And yes, sometimes the whale in the dream will be a part of you. And other times the whale in the dream may literally be the spirit of a whale coming to speak to you and guide you and you have a unique connection there and other times the will is more of a metaphor and so it's I invite you to not peg yourself down but rather to just be open to receiving over time what that symbolism and mythos and story uniquely means to you and intuition will teach you it's just a matter of having a consistent practice I hope you've enjoyed this episode on dreaming. I feel like I could talk about this topic forever (laughs) and we've only scratched the surface, but I hope it's inspired you to start a 
dream practice potentially, or at the very least to look at your dream time more intentionally and with a new set of eyes, we will be continuing throughout this month talking more about how intuition speaks to us. So I can't wait to hear what you think. P.S. If you have a question or a topic you'd love for me to talk about on the podcast, you can submit that at my website, www.marcymoberg.com backslash podcast. Scroll to the bottom and you'll find a little link that says submit a question. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review. Ideally, five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. And you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name.com. Until next time, remember, being you takes courage. Lots of love.